Welcome to episode 42 of 1530. Today we're going to be discussing Indian Wells Tournament just happened. There's also a San Diego Open for at least the first time that I, in my memory, of watching tennis. The Basically what happened is the Asian hardcourt swing got canceled due to COVID-19. So Indian Wells was rescheduled from March is when it's normally played. It's commonly called the fifth slam. It's a pretty prestigious uh, Masters 1000 event that's has the second biggest tennis stadium in the world. Matt and I both gone to Indian Wells. Pretty fun tournament, gone there a few times. But that, that one's kind of been dominated by, by the big three. Uh, Federer and Djokovic in particular, I think, share the record for the most Indian Wells titles. And it's a, it's a fun event that, that just happened. So we're going to cover that, that event and then just looking forward to the end of the year and uh, just talking about the state of tennis and talk about the numbers as always. Welcome to 1530. Now introducing your hosts, Ben and Matt. Before I get started off with the start of the day, start of the day is three, and that's three consecutive titles have been played or three consecutive matches have been played at Indian Wells and the title where Federer, Nadal, or Djokovic, one of the big three, have not won it. So, uh, like I was saying, Federer and Djokovic are kind of classically dominant Indian Wells. Even Nadal has won it. But the last three years, or really four years, Del Potro beat Federer, had to save match points to, to beat Federer in 2018 in the title match. Team beat Federer in three sets in 2019. We all know 2020 was COVID, and so Indian Wells was canceled 2020. And here in 2021, Cam Nori beat Nikolaj Basavili. Probably butchered his last name there, but he defeated him in the final. So kind of an unexpected final, even though, you know, Novak Djokovic didn't show up to Indian Wells to play. And then, of course, Federer and Nadal shortened, shortened their seasons this year due to injury. So kind of a shocking turn of event. And where the Indian Wells has kind of been dominated by the big players the past few years, it has not. Uh, I think I was even seeing a stat first time someone ranked outside. I can't remember if it was top 10 or top 15, but the last time that happened was uh, Ivan Lubacic, which is Federer's coach. He won Indian Wells uh, early 2000s. I can't remember the exact year, but it's been a long time. It's been dominated by the top players of the sport. So I don't know, Matt, what's what's your first take on that? Surprising? Not surprised? Yeah, I mean, you didn't have any of the big three in this year. So obviously you knew you were going to have something relatively new coming into it. But nonetheless, I'm the tennis was still high quality and good to see Nori get a, get a title under his belt. I'm sure he's happy about that. He's been uh, kind of on the rise recently and which good to see him kind of consolidate uh, some success there. Yeah, exactly. I wasn't exactly sure what to expect hidden in either, but when we saw Zverev and Tsitsipas uh, at least have a route uh, once they got um, at least to the, the quarters, I guess Zverev got, knocked out in the quarters. We'll talk about that match by Taylor Fritz, you know, kind of a Southern California guy. The crowd was very much rooting for Taylor and Taylor played some great tennis, but still somehow thought maybe Pass or Fritz would come through. And the players I wasn't necessarily expecting in Nori and Bashvili uh, came through. So exciting, a lot of parody in the sport. Medvedev of course would have been a big favorite too, but uh, Grigor Dimitrov played excellent, kind of some vintage Dimitrov. Uh, Medvedev even said, he's like, you know, I don't think anyone can top what Grigor is doing. You know, he shouldn't be able to be beat. Of course, was beat, but, you know, just goes to show that there's a lot of parody. And I don't think Grigor really played bad. 
um, when he lost. But it's just, uh, yeah, some tight tennis. Pretty interesting. Uh, leading up to Indian Wells, I mentioned the San Diego Open. Kind of cover that match super quick. The final, anyways. Casper Rude, who's been classically, you know, oh, he's just the clay court guy, right? He won all these clay court tournaments. Well, he actually beat Nori in the final in the San Diego Open. And there were some good players there. So real quick run through the numbers here. I think it's shown that Casper Rude is definitely not just a clay quarter, you know, clay court specialist. He can play on the hard court as well. And he's pretty good. He's got the really good forehand. Um, I can't remember who was tweeting about it, but someone was talking about, you know, Mark Casper Rude down for French Open, you know, 2025 or something like that. He's like, in a few years, he'll be one in the French Open. I think he's another guy kind of like Tsitsipas where he's really comfortable on the clay, but he won the San Diego Open. Uh, pretty exciting. It's running through the numbers. <clears throat> um, first serve points one. He was a, a very high 74%. And you could tell Nori on his side, 48%. Very, very low. So Rude was uh, was returning pretty well. Nori was struggling a little bit more to win easy points out the first serve. Rude, he's always good on that. Clay, his numbers are also pretty high for first serve points one. And then second serve points one were, were, equal, were almost equally as good, 64%, which is very, very high, to Nori's only 33%. So kind of a lopsided one just for those two stats alone, you could kind of tell. Um, and Rude didn't even face a break point. Uh, Nori did save, you know, just a single break point. All the five of six were converted by uh, by Casper Rude. So overall kind of dominating display there. Um, and it showed, right, in the match. Pretty lopsided. 65% of the points were run by Rude. Only 35% of the points were run by Nori. But Nori was able to, you know, kind of take that in stride and, and play really well in any well. So I was impressed to see his resilience kind of because it kind of got beat down by Rude in San Diego. But, um, yeah, and he won at 6 0 for those who are wondering or who saw the match. So pretty pretty decisive win there. But I don't know. Any thoughts on Rude, Matt? I know he's been... He's been one where he's been playing pretty well the last couple of years. Yep, he's he's pretty good. Um, I don't think I have much else on him. I mean, plays pretty good, especially for his stature. Kind of like Divi Guffin. He's not super tall, but he can, you know, he can whip the first serve and play the good forehand. All right. Well, Indian Wells, let's let's cover that. That's always a really, really fun tournament. So um, let's see some of the matches we had here. Mentioned Andy Murray. I don't know if you got to see any of the highlights, Matt, or see the match, but Murray looked really good. Actually, uh, he lost in straight sets to Zverev. I believe it was like seven or six, four, seven, six. Um, so still straight sets, but it kind of looked a little bit like Murray of old. His first serve, he didn't quite, wasn't quite winning points at the clip that he's used to. He won 66% of his first serve points, but the first serve looked not only good, but he could move and back up the first serve a little bit. So I think we're seeing improvements there. Zverev was, was even better, 72% first serve points won. And his first serve percentage was really high at 72%. So Zverev served pretty well, only had four double faults, um, eight aces. I think that actually matched Murray, four double faults, eight aces. Second serve points won, they're both pretty similar, 43% for Zverev, 41% for Murray. Um, but ultimately, yeah, it came down to Zverev was just a little bit more solid in the big points. You could even tell on their, uh, on their first serves, like I said, Murray was hitting some Good serves. The max speed was 132 miles per hour for Murray, 144 Zverev. And the average was 116 miles an hour on his first serve for Murray, 124 miles per hour for Zverev's first serve. Of course, Andy's second serve is always a little bit of his, you know, his weakness there. Achilles heel, 88 miles per hour and kind of can sit up a little bit. People can attack it to 
Murray's 98 or uh, yeah, 98 miles per hour. There's Vera's 98 miles per hour. So fun match. And they made me kind of have hope for Murray, honestly, even though he lost it. But he's looking a little bit like he's got the movement back. He's got some swagger and he's got some good shot selection. Just Vera was just a little bit too good. So uh, I was impressed with that. I wonder, I think Murray's playing in the European Open this week. So it's a smaller tournament he beat Stan Wawrinka in. I think it was last year, maybe the year before. That was kind of the start of his comeback. Obviously, he's got some downs since then, but I wonder if he can build on his success in Indian Wells and maybe get some confidence with that 250, Masters 250 title. But any thoughts on Murray or Zvera, Matt? What, do I have anything to add? Is that what she asked? Yeah, on Murray uh, and Zvera in general. Um, no, nothing, nothing from nothing different than what you just said. It's good to see him on the yeah. court. Was this the match that he uh, he had an underhand? Was that against Zverev? He had an underhand serve. I can't remember if it was against Zverev. It was the previous round against uh, Carlos Alcaraz, which was a fun match. Oh, that's that what it was. Yeah, Alcaraz. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Murray, anyway. Murray had to fight for that one, so that was fun. Yeah, what, yeah. Did, did he win the point when he hit the underhand, or did he not? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He totally caught him off no guard. Way. I think it was nice. uh, game point. Yeah, he hit it and walked off the court. Walked, uh, obviously, nice. didn't walk off the court. Walked over to the set. That's funny, man. Boy. That's awesome. Yeah, real quick, you know, we're talking Murray, talking is he back where he's going to be. So do a quick comparison here on ultimatetennisstats.com. Let's just kind of see how's, how's he's doing. Um, so I'll just show you here the numbers. So like I mentioned, Murray was at 66% in that match for first serve points one. Here in Ultimate Tennis Stats, looks like his career average is like 75%, which is pretty high. Uh, of course, Murray does really well in the fast courts. Um, let's see what how he's doing this last 52 weeks. Um, okay, so only 1% down, 73%. Um, that's interesting. Second serve, though, is, is a lot of, uh, quite a bit worse. It's under 50. It's at 48.9%, uh, 49% compared to 52%. So... Looks like, according here to the numbers, really got to look at that second serve. Looks like the first serve points one weren't super different this year than his career average. Um, let's look at the return real fast. Oh, yeah, the return's pretty eye-popping. So it's a 5% different on numbers for first serve return points one. So his career average has been 33%, which is pretty solid on the first serve. Uh, this last year, he's only been 28%. So... 5% different. That's, that's a pretty huge difference in tennis. Uh, monumental. In fact, break points, 2% worse than his career average as well. So a couple things to look at there. Uh, let's see. What was his first serve for turn points against there of closer to the 33 or closer to the 28? Let's see. Turn stats. Yeah. 28% exactly is what, is what Murray had to various 34%. So, I think really just watch him on the return, which is a function of not only match play, but also his legs um, and how he can move his movement in general. So I think we're seeing some good signs on the serve. Just need to do better on the return, I guess. So something, something to watch for for Murray. He really seems like he's motivated to come back. Just will the body let him? I don't know. That's something we got to watch. So um, Other matches. So I mentioned the Zverev-Taylor Fritz match. Um that one was pretty fun to watch. The big stuff from that was just was just how big Fritz, you know, played. He wasn't uh, wasn't backing down from the occasion. He's always had a big game, 
but you could, it was kind of interesting to see him impose it on Zverev, who also has a big game. So there are some good rallies. Zverev did have a few, you know, he had five double faults, but he did have nine aces to offset that. So not like he was serving horribly bad. He won 75% of first serve points won, but Fritz won up to him. He was 82% first serve points won. So Fritz was really using his first serve effectively, which he usually does when he's playing well and backing it up. His second serve points won were 45%, and Zverev's was the same at 45%. And uh, break points saved. Looks like Fritz had to save a bunch. He saved five of eight, and uh, Zverev uh, saved one of four. So it looked like they each won the same number of break points, just the conversion rates were different there, of course. Um, overall, let's see, looking at the uh, returns. Overall, return points, 25% return points won on the first serve for um, Taylor Fritz, 18% for Zvera. That's pretty low. Obviously, if uh, Fritz is serving 82% first serve points won, you could, you could tell it'd be low on Zvera's side, but... And then second serve, return points one were, again, identical, 55%. So pretty tight match for both these guys. Um, even the points one was pretty tight. Taylor only won 52% of the points to, to Zvera's 48%. But overall, he was able to able to get the job done. Both guys, again, having big serves. Looks like both guys were, were averaging pretty high serve numbers there. And, yeah, it was fun to see Fritz win a big match. You know, I think he struggled with injuries. What was it, Matt? Was it Roland Garros where he had the wheelchair? I believe this year. Yeah, I think so. And then Wimbledon, he was really pushing to play Wimbledon, even though he wasn't fully healthy. And then he didn't uh, didn't end up doing super great in Wimbledon. And now he's uh, had a decent U.S. Open, and now he's here in Dean Wells. So exciting for Taylor Fritz. You know, I think we had need to have an episode, Matt, where we talk about the Americans, you know, because Americans have had a drought for the men's side for winning slams. So wonder who the next guy that could that could do that or at least get top 10 or – you know, play well. There's a few guys. Tommy Paul had a decent Indian Wells tournament. Uh, Francis Tiafo's done well in the past. You know, Jack Sock in the past as well. John Isner, Sam Query. But it's like, okay, is one of these guys, are they going to make a final of a slam again like Query has? You know, I don't know. Or, sorry, I guess Query's made a semi. But, um, yeah, I, I would really like to dive into the numbers of the Americans and see which Americans are up and coming. Because I think Fritz has the weapons to at least go go far, but will he? You know, I don't know. It's it's hard. And I think back to your point about, well, there's not really anybody, you know, to challenge Indian Wells if there's no Djokovic or, or Federer or anybody. You know, Fritz had to get through, you know, let's say he beats Zverev. And then on the other side, if you have to face Djokovic, like what are the odds, ELO-wise, that you beat both of them, right? Probably not very high, but if you only have to face, you know, Maybe one super top guy in Zverev might be okay. Of course, it didn't work out for Fritz that way, but your path opens up a lot easier. You don't have to beat as good of guys. You know, it might be a smaller, smaller difference in, <coughs> in Elo, excuse me. So the odds aren't stacked against you going in, right? So uh, I think there's a lot more parity, obviously, when you don't have uh, even just Djokovic taken out of the mix. There's a lot more parity. It really opens up. And if someone like Zverev or Medvedev struggles, it's completely wide open. And I think we saw that with Medvedev losing pretty early. And then it was kind of setting up for Zverev, Tsitsipas semi, but it didn't quite materialize because, again, these guys just know they, oh, they only have to beat one of the, you know, only have to beat Zverev maybe, and that's all you have to see. So I think it's interesting the way it opened up. But, yeah, impressed with Taylor Fritz. 
course, he did end up losing his next match. Um, didn't make it through Nori, but still pretty amazing. Um, let's talk also Tsitsipas. He also had a pretty good tournament. He lost a nail-biter to Bashkosvili. This is one where he actually won more points than Bashkosvili, but Bashkosvili just won the, the more clutch points, really, what it came down to. So break points converted. Um, Bashkosvili was 4 of 5, and that was the... I was able to sort here stats by significance. That's the most significant stat. Um, even though Tsitsipas had four of 10 break points, he didn't convert the same rate, right? They each had the same number, but Vashasvi was a little more clutch on those big points. Um, Sir points won though Tsitsipas 40%. That's, that's astounding. You know, he's his, uh, his career average is closer to that 33% vice the 40%. He was pretty high on there, but Ultimately, you know, Bashas Vile had more unforced errors. He also had more winners, but it's kind of a weird match up and down. Like I said, I think Bashas Vile ended up just winning the more important points at the end of the day. And kind of funny, remember when Bashas Vile beat Federer earlier in the year? You're like, oh, Federer's losing to this guy. And then he goes on, Bashas Vile goes on to, went to go to the final. I don't remember if he won that tournament in Dubai. Um, but now he goes ahead and he makes another final here in Indian Wells. So kind of an unlikely guy. He's making a late late career surge, but he played really well against Tsitsipas to knock him off and get a chance. Um, Cause like I said, I think a lot of things were stacked against him. You know, Tsitsipas had 10 aces to his five. Tsitsipas returned a lot better, but just didn't quite win the points he needed to win. Um, and some matches go that way, unfortunately. He always, so he lost the three setter to Bashosvili in the final. So Cam Nori, again, this, the stats by significance for the break points. Nori being more clutch, five of eight to three of six for Bashosvili. And then server turn points one. Nori was able to win at a clip of 44%. I mean, that's, I mean, he just winning so many, so many points off the Bashosvili serve. And even second serve <clears throat> return points one, you know, maybe not as good. Bashosvili was 52% to Nori's 41%. But I think the damage was just done on the first serve. Uh, he was able to to get into a lot of the Bashkosvili service games, and um, yeah, ultimately able to to really dominate there. Both guys hardly came to net. Looks like four of six for Nori and six of nine for Bashkosvili. Um, I think the pattern too with being a lefty, Nori is one of those lefties. You know, don't don't have a ton of them at the top of the game, but he was really able to bother Bashkosvili with his going backhand to backhand up the line. That was kind of one of his strategies there. So yeah, again, really, uh, really happy to see Nori. He's one of those really good upbeat guys. He kind of reminds me of Raonic and kind of his approach to the game as far as, you know, very positive. And then his coach, I think even talked about in one of the articles, how he tries to improve little things here and there, you know, whether it's movement, he's very much a, you know, get 1% better at each thing type of guy. So yeah, super happy for Nori. Matt, any comments on, on those numbers or on, on Nori's maiden title? Oh, it's great to see. I guess he has another one in Los Cabos, but I mean, this is the first Masters 1000 and definitely more important. But Yeah, um, thank you. Maiden, maiden Masters 1000, good point. Yeah. Well, I made the same mistake earlier. That's why I went and checked it. I was like, but yeah, uh, sure. oh, it's good to see. It's good to see, uh, you know, this parody. We talked about Fritz having to overcome Zverev and that being kind of, you know, maybe the biggest one, and Bashlasvili had this, the same, the same thing, right? Once you get past Sissipas, he would have had to face Severev, 
had Fritz not taking care of him, but um, maybe that made his path a little bit easier there to get to the final and um, try his hand at a title there. But um, definitely good, good court play, good returning by Nori to get those numbers and kind of take control of the match. So. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he had a good path, but yeah, regardless of how he got there, right? He got the job done, which is all that all that you can really ask for. So, Matt, take if you'd have to had to take a guess, his numbers between this year and last year, Nori's numbers, you know, huge huge difference. Are you thinking on any any good thoughts or intuition there on Nori? You're you're, you're asking me to guess if his pulled out for last year. Go ahead. You want me to guess if the if his numbers this year are significantly different from previous year? Yeah, if they're significantly different or just a little bit different, or because obviously we'd assume they'd be a little bit better this year because he's done better. But you think right. big differences or small differences here? I'm not defining. I mean, so I mean, he won this title here. Has he done much the rest of the year? I don't know. So I'd say uh, maybe his numbers are much. similar. Yeah. Yeah, Wimbledon, I think he did make well, – he faced Federer. What was it, the third or fourth round? Took a set off Federer. But like you're saying, okay. yeah, numbers are, are pretty similar. Um, he, he is better this year, but I think it goes back to the, you know, very, very small changes can lead to bigger results. He is winning a lot more matches this year, though. So the results show that he's winning vice 55% of his matches in his career this year, about 69% of his matches. So if you kind of recall better than all those top guys, they don't quite win 80% of their matches, but I think they're usually in the upper seventies. They win about 70 something percent of the time, 75% you could say. So Nori's not that far off, you know, 69, 70%, but you know, that's a big difference in results, but how did he get there? And really the results, the numbers show it's kind of small stuff. So we'll go to his serve first. Um, he's not really acing anymore. It's about the same. Um, he's getting his first serve in about the same amount, but his first serve points one or 1.7% more. So he's able to somehow don't know if that's just a little bit better on the first serve or if he's backing it up a little bit better on the next shot. And then his second serve points one exactly 1% better. He's actually a little worse at saving break points. By 1%, but overall that's leading to him winning 3% more service games. So those, you know, little 1% efforts in the first and second serve, what he's doing there. And I don't, I haven't watched Nori enough to know exactly what he's doing. I uh, know movement has been talked about. He's a little bit better on the movement, um, kind of anticipating, but that's leading to 3% more service games one. And then you go to the return. He's also winning 3% more return games. And really everything looks pretty identical except for second serve return points one is two and a half percent better. So that's a pretty big number. And then overall he's winning three and a half percent more break points one. So somehow he's able to maybe in rallies able to win more of these second serve return points, or maybe more aggressive on the second serve return. Not exactly sure. have to watch him more to find out, but yeah, so kind of interesting. It's exactly 3.3% more return games one and 3.3% more service games one. So overall, that that swings some matches in your favor. Fourteen percent more matches won. So just kind of interesting to look at the numbers. Where you know I wouldn't say he's doing things drastically better, but it looks like you know a little one percent here, one percent there. 
that, that that's benefiting him. So I know we've talked about that stuff before, but again, testament to small things kind of leading to bigger results. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, what else do we got here? Um, well, how are we looking throughout the rest of the year, Matt? I know. I don't know if you heard about Djokovic with the whole vaccination uh, thing. Have you heard much about that with Australia? I have not. Yeah, so Australia came out and said, we will not allow any player that is unvaccinated to come and play in Australia because that's the rules for people coming in and athletes will be given no exceptions. And Djokovic earlier in the year was kind of hinting toward that he hadn't been vaccinated and then said, I don't want to take any more questions on it. So he could have been vaccinated between now and then, but I don't think so because now he's talking about um, a couple comments about Australia, about how he might not go. Mm. So kind of hinting to me that he's probably not vaccinated. And I know that's kind of, kind of causing some uproar. It doesn't look like they're going to budge on it though. They've come back and said it a couple yeah. of times. So that leads to a great question of, okay, well, Djokovic has won the most Australian open titles of all time. He would be the favorite heading in heavy, heavy favorite. That just opens up completely. Federer's not going to be back by then. He's pretty much already said he needs more time to recover. Rafa's only won one Australian Open, but it would open it up for him. Certainly, he's made some finals and Djokovic beating him. Well, I don't, I don't know. I feel like that opens up the field pretty much wide open if Djokovic isn't there for some reason, assuming everyone else who's a top player is vaccinated. I don't know if that's true, but I would I'm just guessing. Um, so I don't know. I think that leads to some interesting questions. Any thoughts on on what that would do for Australian Open. Anybody you're thinking that could maybe steal the title there? Come on, Rafa. <laughs> Everybody's Rafa. biggest knock. Everybody's biggest knock on Rafa is that he's a one hat, one a one trick pony. He wins the yep. French and that's it. Yep. And uh, so shoot, man, if he can get a second career slam, did yep. I say that right? Yep. Yep. You said it, yeah. Then uh, that'd be fantastic if he's healthy. Yeah. Other than that, you look at, you know, the hardcore players, look at Medi thinking, hey, here's another chance for him to get yeah. another title. And, and, you know, some others, but maybe Zverev. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking because Medvedev, he's been in, he was in the U.S. Open final. He won it. Australian Open, he was in the final, lost it. And then he was in the other U.S. Open final. So he's been in like, what, three out of the last four, uh, or maybe five hardcourt, you know, Grand Slam finals. So you would expect him to go far, if not the final, maybe the semis. Maybe try to challenge for the title. Team, biggest question mark. If team was healthy, I would say sure, because he's, you know, he's done really well in hardcourt. But him being unhealthy and question mark, I'm not sure. So like you're saying, prize Zverev or Medvedev, but I think it opens up really anybody. You have a Tsitsipas, you can have a Rublev if he's playing well. Like, I think a lot of people could go far. Um, Shoot, maybe even an American. Maybe Fritz. I mean, Fritz played well until Djokovic beat him. And what was that, the fifth set where Djokovic was struggling physically last year? So I think it would really open up the field. Uh, and Australian Open could actually have some parity, which start of the year, right? Everyone's hungry and healthy usually. And Djokovic is just shutting everybody down at that tournament. So I think that would be really interesting if he's not able to be there. Of course, he could change his mind and get vaccinated, of course, or maybe he already is, but it's starting to hint like both sides don't really want to budge. So I think that's super fascinating, but yeah, so we'll be covering kind of the rest of the year as we go. Um, 
the other big thing is just what what happens the rest of this year, right? We do have the ATP finals in Turin, so not in London this year. And that's been won by a different player several different years in a row, right? Last year was Medvedev. Year before that was Team. Year before that was I think Dimitrov. You know, we've had many different winners. No one's no one can consolidate the title. And even when Djokovic and Federer have had the chance to challenge, they haven't won it. So I think it'll be really interesting to see the rest of the year, see these numbers and look at the tennis world. So yeah, as always, we're, you know, enjoy the matches as they come. I think the Basel, the Basel indoor uh, title has been, or the, ba- the Basel indoor tournament has been canceled. I think just COVID related, I guess. I don't know why they canceled it. But then the Paris Rolex Masters will also happen, it looks like. And then the ATP Finals in Turin. So, yeah, Matt, any uh, any picks for the rest of the year? Uh, you know, I don't know if that assumes Djokovic isn't playing much for for the ATP Finals. I was just saying that how, you know, it's been a different winner the last at least several years. Last year was Medvedev. Year before that was Team. Year before that was Gregor, I think. Or maybe, no, no, it was Zverev. Zverev won it. So, anyways, like the last four years in a row, I think there's been different winners. You know, maybe we get a defending champ with Medvedev. Maybe not. I'm not sure. But there's a lot of parity there at the end of the year tournament. So, yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see. It'll see uh, to see to who's even there. Just like you said, will Joke be there? Rafa's not right. I think he's no. He's shut down. I think. Yeah, he shut it down for the year. So, and teams out. So I'm looking at the top ten here. Yeah. So he's yeah. A push push for Nori to maybe try to push in and make it. I know he's it's a goal. I'd be he'd have to perform really well at the end of the year, but he's pushing. So yeah, Fed dropped out of the top ten officially. Also a big mark. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. See what yeah, happens. exactly. Well that's that's about all we got. Like I said, we're just looking forward to finishing up the tennis season and then excited to see what happens next year. Hopefully COVID is less of a factor, but it could already be a factor with the first major of the year with the vaccination mandate in Australia. But as always, visit us at cognitionsphere.com. Theme music brought to us by Kevin MacLeod with excerpts from song Cool Rock. Please share our podcast with a friend that loves tennis. And also take a minute and write write a review if you're enjoying this podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, And until next time, we will see you on the court. (laughs) 